Hey, beer lovers, welcome to today's episode. I'm so excited to share this with you because not only are you going to learn a lot about craft beer, you're also going to learn a lot about outer space and what goes on behind the scenes at NASA. And we're going to be talking with Michael Duckworth, the CEO at True Anomaly. We're going to be tasting their fruited sour called Peggy, and we're going to be tasting their IPA called Ben's House. You're also going to learn the really cool history behind behind those names. Stay tuned for a really entertaining episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bruise Less Traveled podcast and beer club. I'm your craft beer loving host, Molly Lamb. Welcome back to Houston. We have another great week here filled with delicious beer in the Bayou City. I am with my co-host, Glenn. Glenn, how you doing? You want to say hey? Hey, everyone. Good to, good to be back here. Good to see everyone. Good to try another great Houston brewery here. We also have a great guest tonight. We're going to be talking with Michael Duckworth, the CEO at True Anomaly in Houston. And we're going to be drinking their fruited sour called Peggy and their IPA called Ben's House. And I love how all of our beer club members always get a card with fun facts on it about the breweries. And this one was pretty cool because the owners used to work for NASA. And I thought that was an amazing fun fact. They helped build missions and spacesuits and all this fun stuff that I don't really understand, to be completely honest, but I can't wait to talk to Michael about it. Glenn, you want to go ahead and open a beer? I want to open the- uh, I was waiting for you to ask, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I say we open the Ben's House IPA first. And I am nice. using a a pirate cup, which has nothing to do with Houston, but I just thought this was kind of fun. It's not really a beer. It blast. is a vast ye mateys. I'm actually on a houseboat right now, so this is kind of in theme with that. Can't go wrong with a beautiful golden color from an IPA. Oh no, good. Yeah, it's got a really nice. Uh, looks a bit hazy to begin with, but then it's sort of clearing up a little bit. Yeah, well, actually, this is this is less hazy than I thought. This is beautiful. Cheers, everyone. Oh, that's good. I'm loving it so far. I'm definitely going back to my West Coast love of IPAs. This one clocks in at 6.9% ABV. It's got 65 IBU. So you get that nice sort of pungent, resinous, piney, bitter quality, especially on the finish. It kind of lingers. And it's really got that like West Coast floral and citrus aroma to it. It's really nice. Yeah, and they're using Columbus, Cascade, and Centennial hops in here. And and you really do kind of get that lingering bitter. Yeah, I noticed that. It's very hop forward. Uh, It's a little, it it, it couches a little bit. There's a little bit of that that citrusy thing to it, but it's definitely much more uh, in the tradition of your classic West Coast IPA. Yeah. Um, Interesting story. I was reading about this behind the name of this beer, Ben's House West Coast IPA. Ben uh, was one of the founding members of True Anomaly, and he developed this IPA in the official, what they called the Tabco Brewing Headquarters, which is also known as his garage. After experimenting with various yeast strains, he found an English ale yeast that had a rich and complex flavor profile, which balances the hop forward character of, of the West Coast. 
Well, let's learn a little bit more about True Anomaly. This was a super fun spot. Yeah, I really loved visiting it. So they opened in 2019. So they're relatively new. And their story is interesting. So it starts out in a pretty typical manner. Four guys brewing in that garage that you mentioned, Glenn, making hundreds of batches before they really got it perfect and found something they loved and a method that they loved. And it gets interesting because the owners, they have a background as former rocket scientists, spacesuit developers, and mission managers. So they were literally managing missions to outer space. I I cannot wait to talk. I mean, we're going to talk about beer, but I'm going to talk about that too. And, um, something about that story just feels like it represents Houston so well because it's such a space city. It's interesting. Like just about at every turn we look at beer yeah. is science. Beer is Absolutely. science. No, I know. <laughs> it's it's like Houston is almost more about the uh, outer space stuff than it is about actual beer. But I, well, you know, I kind of like dome, It's about sports, but it's a, it's got a name that is rooted in that whole love of space and that whole big part of what the city is. The folks there at True Anomaly have been super inspired by a fascination with science and space and energy. And now they're really bringing that same energy into craft beer. So I think that that is just really awesome. And I also want to share some fun things to do when you guys hopefully go visit the amazing city of Houston. So definitely head out to Galveston Island. It takes about an hour from Houston and it's this beautiful island on the Gulf of Mexico. And there's a ton to do there. So there's obviously a beach. You can take a surf lesson. You can visit their very famous amusement park. You can go shopping and there's a lot of great dining as well. I was looking at something that I really want to check out that uh, the Cockrell Butterfly Center, which is part of the Houston Museum of Natural Science. It's got a glass enclosed butterfly habitat uh, with a sort of a simulated rainforest with thousands of colorful butterflies. They've got a uh, dramatic 50 foot waterfall and all these great exotic plants. It really transports visitors to sort of, a, you know, another world or at least another continent. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds beautiful. Like what a magical day. But before we bring on Michael, I want to open up the fruited sour. It's called. Yeah, let's not waste any time. Sure. Yeah. And this one, you can see the can. They have some astronauts on the can. So, yeah, we're not deviating far from our theme here in Houston, which is obviously. Reminds me of that song, Peggy's on the Moon. Oh, Maybe that's never, a different song. No, I, I'm thinking of a different one, but uh, someone's on the moon. <laughs> I'm like, I've never heard that. Mm. Sorry, oh, I, just nice. I, did, I didn't even wait for you, Glenn. I get excited for a sour. All right. I was I was uh, doing my obscure uh, song references there. <laughs> like, huh? What is that? I get this aroma right away. Kind of very tropical fruit. Yeah, it's got a nice head to it, too. Yeah. Nice, fluffy, pillowy head. Beautiful color to mm. it. Pretty, pretty opaque. Not a lot of clarity. Mm, that's tasty. Very refreshing. Very refreshing. Very subtle because uh, the flavor's there, but uh, the the fruit isn't overpowering it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a nice, just balanced kettle sour. Let's take a beer break. 
While we're tasting this beautiful kettle sour from True Anomaly, let's talk a little bit more about kettle sours. Originally, pretty much all beer was sour before refrigeration, but now brewers are striving to make customers pucker with these refreshing beverages. Kettle sours are different from their wild fermented traditional counterparts because they're soured in steel mash tons and take only a matter of days to produce in some cases. Traditional sours can take months or even years to produce and are typically aged in wood barrels. The bacteria lactobacillus is what gives these beers their sour taste. It's a probiotic that converts sugar into lactic acid. It's similar to what's found in yogurt. And kettle sours will then be what's called sour mashed instead of the traditional boiling and then cooling for yeast adding. In this case, the wort will chill for a few days in kettle while it takes its time to develop the sour flavor. And typically kettle sours are going to be a little softer and more balanced than their wild fermented counterparts. Now let's get back to the episode as we finish tasting this kettle sour. Yeah, this one clocks in at uh, just over 5% ABV. I'm a big sour beer fan. This one's really nice and just very, very well balanced. It's just really light, fruit forward without being too sour. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah, everyone seems to kind of agree. It's just very balanced. Really good conversation going on in the chat. Yeah, not too tart, just nice and very refreshing. I would kind of call this like a nice post-yard work beer. You know, you've been outside, you just kind of want something refreshing. I think this would be a good good starter beer for, because, you know, a lot of people think they don't like sours. I think this would be a good beer to sort of bring them over to the to the world of sours. Mm-hmm. Step on over to the sour side because it is good. It is. You're right. It's very approachable. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. All right. I am ready to welcome on our guest this evening, Michael Duckworth, the CEO at True Anomaly. Michael, how you doing? Hey, how are you doing? We are so good and we're pumped to have you. Are you drinking anything tonight? Oh, I'm trying to drink along with everybody, it seems. Uh, you, you're a little too quick for me, though. I didn't I didn't get through the Ben's house. I maybe poured myself. Too Neither did we. Uh, you came prepared. <laughs> We're just double fisting right now. Yeah, yeah I, got the, I got the one glass. It was a little little too big there. So I've been pounding this and we'll get to that Peggy here in a second. Oh, yeah. It's always power hour here at Brews Less Traveled. We're like, all right, you've had a couple sips on to the next beer. You know, <laughs> We like to make sure everyone's double fisting. And also, we like to ask all of our guests their craft beer origin story. Can you tell us yours and how you got into craft beer, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you uh, kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. We were a group that started homebrewing about 15 years ago or so. Did that for a good long while. There was a good um, concentration that uh, really helped propel us forward because originally, you know, I was brewing by myself. uh, Some others were brewing by themselves. And then we kind of found a conglomeration between us that, that worked out well. And uh, as such, we, um, you know, started building more routine, uh, getting our procedures uh, down a little bit better and uh, really being able to track the beer and do it more consistently. And I think for most home brewers, that's uh, really the biggest challenge is uh, doing it um, week to week is pretty time consuming and ensuring that the beers get transferred from primary to secondary or secondary into uh, the keg or bottling. Um, You know, we have lives that interrupt these types of, you know, hopes and wishes a lot. And uh, you're not always on top of what you need to be on top of if it's not, you know, your primary job. So when we expanded and really got a core group of us together 
we uh, we were able to honestly produce better beer and really delve into some new styles that you uh, you know at least individually I didn't have as much of an interest in initially. Uh, but then after brewing for so long and uh, after doing it so many times, we really started brewing, like I said, consistently once a week, every week where we'd pr- push out, you know, 50 beers in a year as a home brew club. That's a lot. As such, you know, we were really able to refine those recipes and get better understanding of what uh, the hops were doing to a certain, let's say, uh, you know, IPA or um, or even, you know, we had a whole pale series, which we actually brought into the brewery and we uh, really wanted to bring into Houston at large and doing a nice clean base pail with a single hop and seeing, you know, a hundred percent citra hop pale ale, hundred percent strata hop, hundred percent, um, you know, Nelson Salvin or whatever have you. So you could really delineate the quality of those hops and what they're uh, attributing to the beer. And when we were able to start doing that. I think we just got, you know, better at our tasting, uh, better in understanding how that might pair well with other hops um, and also just not overdoing it. I think as a home brewer operation, you tend to want to throw everything in the kitchen sink in there, really experiment, you know, to the T. And, uh, when we got, you know, more, um, kind of minds into it, we said, you know, Hey, you know, sometimes less is more and, uh, really, you know, refining that, that beer tasting process. So, you know, traditional story, some guys that got into a homebrew uh, garage and went at it for a good while and then eventually refined their skill sets, put in those 10,000 hours, if you will, and, uh, you know, help build us to really, you know, work that craft that being craft beer. Yeah. I, I love what you said about the single hopped beers. I think that we don't see that enough. Everyone kind of gets hop happy. And I think there's something great about a single hopped beer. Cause you really get to know that hop, you know, like it is, you know, if it's, if it's strata, if it's citra, if it's mosaic, whatever, you're going to really get to know that hop. So I think that's very cool and not so beer related, but I know you guys used to work for NASA. Can you tell us a little bit more about kind of what you did there and how space has influenced you? I mean, this is so cool. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so favorably for us, we all started interning at NASA in the 04 timeframe. Uh, we were lucky enough to get picked up by NASA. Um, we took our kind of, you know, interest in space and applied it to the, to the beer end and our love of exploration. So, um, so those two things combined is how we kind of got the roots of true anomaly. Um, and while our time, well, in my time there, I worked there for about 15 years or so before I transitioned to full-time here at the brewery. Um, and in that time, I worked uh, a lot of different projects. Uh, Orion, uh, if you're familiar uh, with Orion, it's the kind of next human-rated spaceflight vehicle. After we retired the space shuttle in the 2010-2011 timeframe, America at large was left without its own independent space vehicle to uh, transit into uh, lower Earth orbit or beyond. So uh, we built up a commercial space program at that time. That's where SpaceX and Orbital ATK, Boeing, these companies you know, that we've heard now uh, Virgin Galactic come into to being and now successfully brought people into space. So in 2010, that was, you know, something we were working at. Orion uh, was another program that was NASA internal in order to do those same things and really focused on uh, what we call beyond Earth orbit. So to get to beyond the moon, Lagrange points, uh, taking astronauts eventually to Mars and beyond. So I worked at that program uh, for about my last eight years or so there and really enjoyed it. Uh, it's still in development currently today. 
Um, we have a, I say we, I'm not there anymore, but NASA has a uh, flight mission uh, coming up here in 2022. So um, we'll see the next tests to get us to ultimate fruition of that program here this next year, ne- uh, summer-wise. And then hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be uh, launching crew again from uh, some NASA-oriented spacecraft. I'm a little curious. Uh, We heard all about your partner, Ben, and how uh, Ben's house was named after him. Uh, Who's Peggy? How how did uh, did, uh, this uh, beer get its name? Yeah, so uh, Peggy is, uh, and as uh, you give a little bit of a nod, you pointed out earlier of the uh, picture there, Peggy is uh, named after Peggy Whitson. Peggy Whitson's the uh, most accredited female astronaut in the uh, NASA astronaut corps. She had the, she was the first commander of the International Space Station. She uh, had the most uh, space hours in space, flew the most missions, has the most space walks. And uh, here in the next uh, year or two, she's actually going to be re-entering as an astronaut, uh, formally retired and going to be going back out into space uh, as a um I think part of a Virgin Galactic space mission. So uh, kind of exciting stuff. Um, All of our sours actually highlight uh, women in space. So uh, we have Sally for Sally Ride. We have Valentina for Valentina Tereshkova. So obviously we gotta gotta have Sally for the American side, Valentina for the Russian side. Um, We have Vera, who else do we have? So there's a, there's a number of, you know, women leaders in space that we wanted to bring attention to and show that, you know, it wasn't just one side of the fence that's, you know, making all the remarkable things happen that, you know, we're so proud of. That's so cool. I love that. Go Peggy. Yeah, absolutely. Go Peggy. She's amazing. Yeah. I'd, I'll say, uh, you know, again, the uh, the NASA community and the, the culture there is very tight knit. Everybody's on a first name basis. So that's why you see these kind of first names on the can as well. And if you were to walk around the NASA campus and you saw an astronaut, you, you'd call them by their first name and they'd stop and say hello and, you know, give give you the time they had available or, you know, if they d- didn't have some. So, you know, during our time there, we definitely got an opportunity to meet, uh, you know, some real life heroes and and people that were, you know, really making things yeah, progressive and getting to the the next stage in exploration, which is a lot, again, what we try to bring to the the brewing culture and here in Houston as well. And, and working on a lot of fun, different styles of beers you had alluded to a little bit earlier, mixed fermentation. Uh, what is that, you know, really? And how does that differ from these kettle sours? And, you know, and, and you know, what are we doing with these barrels behind us that, that you see in, in a new and different way that you might not see it at every brewery that you walk into. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about mixed fermentation. Sure thing. Yeah. So uh, mixed fermentation is a little bit different than your traditional brew cycle. Uh, in a brew, traditional brew or clean beer, as you might call it, you use sack yeast, uh, Saccharomyces. Um, and obviously there's all the beers, all the ales, lagers uh, use uh, variations of Saccharomyces yeast. So, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of different type of yeast. And there's probably about a core 50 to 100 that you'll see represented in most breweries. So that's where, you know, the predominance of beer exists today. Mixed fermentation is going a step beyond. It's using uh, lactobacillus, pediococcus, uh, Britannomyces, different yeast strains that you find in different areas. Um, and then you can even get, uh, you know, just naturally occurring, all yeast actually naturally occurring. So uh, cultivated from different areas. We actually did one uh, here recently that we're releasing, we call Native Sky. It was actually cultivated out of the Big Bend area, which is uh, about as far west as you can get in Texas. Um, it's a big national park has a lot of canyons and um, mesas and steeps uh, that we uh, worked with a a community cultures yeast lab to go cultivate some wild yeast out of there and uh, never been used before, 
threw it into some of our uh, fooders here and created a very unique beer that uh, honestly turned out amazingly well. Really are enjoying it. We flew through the first half of it uh, this past summer and we, we you know, uh, motivated us to do another batch with some slight variations uh, coming out for release here next week, actually. That's awesome. I love that. So, and for those out there that are maybe a little less familiar, um, uh, lactobacillus is uh, what you find in your yogurt. So uh, lacto is, uh, gives it that sour touch. So lacto is what you find in your kettle sour. So that, that kind of, uh, you know, gives it the nice refresh in here into the, the, the throat a little bit. Um, that's what your lactobacillus is going to provide your Britannomyces, your Brett beers. Um, those are going to be a little more funky, right? That's going to provide a whole different level of character. It's going to be terms that we use in the trade are, you know, uh, horse blanket or barnyard or hay, um, which, you know, can be a little polarizing similar to sour beers in general, you know, or it, are you really into that aroma or characteristic, you know, stinky cheese kind of, kind of things, things that might pair well with some blue cheese or that, uh, you know, really kind of tingles your palate or is it a little off-putting, you know, a lot of everybody's into it. Yeah. You know, a lot of Brett funky beers. We do a lot of sour kettle, sour, straight kind of beers. And then we do a lot where we mix that together. So that's where we get the mixed fermentation. And then and the I barrels know. that are around us are what help cultivate uh, those characteristics. Cool. And I know, yeah, you bottle age and bottle condition a lot of your beers. What style do those methods kind of work best for? Sure. So um, honestly, a lot of our uh, base styles that we throw into the barrels here are Saison, Belgian styles, French Saison that, uh, that end up um, really lending themselves well to those characteristics. So, um, so I'd say we probably have done two dozen or so bottle variations. Uh, again, you, you mentioned, you know, we were established in 2019. So we've been around for about three years now or so. And uh, a lot of these having to age for uh, an extended period, uh, usually minimum six months. We have some as old as two years now that, um, you know, we've uh, been limited in the number of varieties that we've been able to put out. But to date, people have really tended to, to gravitate towards them. Like I said, a little polarizing, but if you're really into them, then, you know, we're pretty much the only show in town that can get them. And, and because of the volatility of the yeast and the bacteria there, they, a lot of breweries uh, stray away from them. So again, if you're a little unfamiliar, these uh, there's, you know, we consider clean beers, which is, uh, you know, the sack yeast strain uh, beers we're talking about. And then these other ones and the bacteria and yeast in these are a little more aggressive. They just tend to hop as well. So the brew process and the uh, kind of quarantine that you have to do amongst these to keep them uh, away from each other so that you don't get cross-contamination is um, again, built on procedure process. And that's really where I think, you know, us coming from our more NASA technical background helps in that, that positioning. So we're the only brewery uh, in Houston that currently puts out these styles of beers. Um, and in the state of Texas, I'd say there's probably about a dozen or so breweries out of the 250 that are here that also uh, provide some, um, you know, varieties like, and, you know, in style from these as well. Well, that sounds so, very so, unique. You might even call it a, a true anomaly. Ah, there you go. Yeah. So we're, we're pretty proud of them. This past year at GABF, we came away with a gold for our wood age sour beer. So, you know, uh, putting a little proof in the pudding and, and you know, for us uh, personally, bringing some accreditation to Houston as well. Um, you know, we're trying to do our best to help put Houston on the map and, you know, best foot forward and, and uh, you know, show the levels of expiration in beer itself as well. 
I always I've noticed that a lot of times it's a struggle, uh, depending on various uh, factors, how uh, craft breweries can really expand uh, their reach as far as, you know, whether it's just in one city or just statewide. Uh, but I know you've you've uh, shipped some of your beers to Mexico. I'm, I'm a little curious to, to know which beers you shipped there and what kind of feedback you got from them. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we shipped the ben, Ben's house that you guys were trying a little bit earlier over there. Very well received. So our Ben's house, um, and as I think some of the comments noted there as well, it's uh, it's a little more uh, mild of an IPA, um, especially for a West Coast. Um, it's a traditional sea hop uh, West Coast beer, but with that English style yeast, it makes it a little bit more approachable. Um, you still get a nice, uh, you know, bittering linger. And uh, in Mexico, you know, they're really pushing for, uh, you know, introducing the IPA styles into uh, Mexico city and, and the breweries that are there. So uh, same thing with the hazies. So uh, I know uh, part of the box, y'all sent some other hazies up that way with some of our friends from here. So I know if y'all haven't already had an opportunity to try those, y'all will at some point uh, we have, you know, a couple that we do here. Go flight is one of those. Um, that's the call sign you use to say you're good for launch. So uh, kind of a flight director mantra thing. So again, space NASA related. We sent that one down very well received. People really seem to enjoy it. Ironically, I was just down there this past uh, week in Tulum for a wedding. So uh, I was able to try out a number of uh, new opening breweries uh, throughout uh, the state side there um, that are pushing hard into IPAs and hazies and just different styles from your traditional kind of light international Mexican lagers or yeah. um, that, that, you know, people are looking for a lot of variety out there. And when we sent ours over, uh, you know, they, we got great feedback. And honestly, I was uh, incredibly impressed by the number of tags and just social media acolytes that were out trying beer. And, you know, it's kind of a, you know, more of a brew culture than, than I had originally thought. That's really awesome. I love Tulum, by the way. It's a it's a beautiful, Everybody. beautiful area. That's really <laughs> cool that you um, have expanded your reach. But bringing it back home to Houston, what would your ideal day off in Houston be? Oh, I'd love one of those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mentioned Galveston earlier. It's it's uh, always a nice getaway. Uh, it's about an hour from the downtown area, so uh, not too bad. You can get that down there, spend the afternoon. If you're into seafood, amazing Gulf Coast oysters. If you're a bit of a foodie in general outside of beer, uh, pairs well with lots and lots of beers. So excited about that. I, I like food, so I, I tend to find myself in, in those areas. And then also, uh, we've got a lot of great friends in the, the brew community here that quite honestly, I just don't get enough time to go visit and hang out with. So for me... Um, you know, I'd probably visit a few of my uh, good friends that, uh, you know, I w have been meaning to try, you know, new stuff that they come out with. One of the, the best and worst parts of craft beer is the number of, I think, new beers that come onto the market, but then how quickly they kind of dissipate and we move on to the next thing. So that's great. Um, but unfortunately, I don't always have time to go check out what they're doing and, you know, how that worked out and, you know, give us inspiration for something new, perhaps, or just even catch up with these guys and see how they're doing. It might sound a little tired or lame, but quite honestly, I probably spend a fair amount of time still doing uh, some craft beer hopping to some breweries and uh, hopefully run into some friends. And if not, enjoy whatever they, they had to provide. Right on. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a fun day off to me. That's pretty much what I do on my days off as well. And I'm dying to go to Galveston. So I think that sounds awesome. And as we wrap up here, it's time for our rapid fire questions. Boom, boom, boom. Let's do it. 
Yeah, folks in the chat, you can feel free to play along as always. The idea is to not think, just answer. Are you ready? We'll try. All right. Barrel aged stouts or pastry stouts? Barrel aged. Best stocking stuffer beers? Anything bottled. Okay. I love that. Bottles are like almost feel kind of special now. So I, I I would like to get that in my stocking. And do you have a favorite holiday themed beer that comes out this time of year? I mean, so we uh, we have one coming out next week. It's called Vera for Vera Rubin, who uh, was the first person to uh, find dark matter. And uh, it's a Marionberry and boysenberry sour. So it's going to be a little bit more tart, a little bit more forward than the Peggy we were trying tonight. But um, yeah, it's it's one of my favorites and it's very unique in its uh, kind of flavor profile. What is the uh, beer style that best represents Texas? Oh, I hate to say it, a Bach. Yeah. You're not the first person to say that. What is the beer that you'd be most excited to receive under the Christmas tree? Belgian quads in general. Anything from, you know, Chimay, Marisou, that whole family. We're, we're a Belgian brewery. As well, so but that's where I found some of my first love. Chimay is great. I love the I classic. love Belgian beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and a, a quad can't go wrong with a Belgian quad. That sounds so so good. But uh, Michael, it's been a pleasure having you. Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, I, Houston. I keep on talking up. Uh, NASA, obviously, I love. If you do have an opportunity, come and check out both of those things. Um, and, uh, for those that don't know, NASA is, uh, you know, we got all around the nation. So, you know, they've a lot of different centers, a lot of different opportunities and, and quite honestly, just explore, you know, uh, we believe in exploration and pushing the envelope, uh, on, on beer and different styles and, and getting, uh, you know, things that are maybe a little bit unfamiliar, which, uh, kind of comes into the concept of true anomaly, you know, an anomaly is something that's, uh, unexpected. And sometimes that has a negative connotation, but, I think for most of us, sometimes the best experience that we had were those that were unexpected. So uh, for us, having a true anomaly is having something that, you know, is a little bit more, you know, unintended, uh, but still pretty good, you know, and you come away with a, a more positive experience. So I push everybody out there to keep doing that. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Thank you to my wonderful co-host, Glenn. And thank you, Michael, for being here. This has been so much fun. Be sure to tune in next week as we chat with one of my personal favorite beer influencers, Caitlin Johnson, and drink another beer from Spindle Tap, their Heavy Hands IPA. Cheers. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It's always a blast having a beer with you. Don't forget to sign up for the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club. And this way you'll get the beers I've been drinking delivered right to your doorstep. Plus exclusive access to our weekly live streams. You can also follow Bruvana on Instagram and me as well at Molly underscore Brews Less Traveled. I always love hearing from you guys, especially if it's a beer recommendation. So keep the messages coming. Cheers.